We're live in three, two... We are back, baby. Welcome into Leather Brains. Your host, as always, Slapdog. We have a lot to talk about today. We are bringing all of you dirty, nasty brainiacs some conversations about quarterbacks for fantasy football this upcoming season. We are going to be discussing the quarterbacks, and we have ranked them in tiers, in different tiers here. So, And then we brought some statistics, some analytics, and some good conversation to kind of back that up and give you guys some, some different thoughts for the quarterbacks. But that's not all. We got to talk about John Taylor. We got to talk about Alvin Kamara. We got to talk about all these running back issues that we are having and what that looks like for the fantasy football landscape. But I cannot do this alone. I can never do this alone. And today I'm joined by Yeti, who is here to help navigate this this entire disaster for all these running backs as well as a quarterback situation that we're going to discuss here in a moment. Yeti, how are you doing today, my friend? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm ready to uh, steer the ship in the right direction. Hopefully uh, we don't get injured ourselves during this podcast because we're about to talk about a lot of uh, injuries that are going on and some possible legal issues. We are. Hopefully we stay out of trouble. I'm injury prone. I'm very yeah, injury prone, yeah. so, uh, but I agree with you. Hopefully, we do stay out of trouble, but I, I think, uh, fingers crossed, we'll be okay. So, you ready to get down to business? Let's get down to business. Let's do it, baby. Hey, boys. Let's get down to business. First piece of news here for everybody that does not know the name Joe Burrow. He's quarterback for the Bengals. He's the man. Joe He's Joey Ice. Ice. He has a strained calf. Kind of problematic. He's out for a few weeks, but he is expected to be ready for week one, so... I'm not holding my breath. I think he'll probably be fine. Just a calf strain. I don't think it's anything worth uh, hitting the panic button on. Obviously, we're still over a month out for for football. So they're going to be careful with him, and they should. But um, just wanted to mention that for all of you guys that are not aware. Now here we're going to get to the fun stuff, Yeti. We're going to talk about John Taylor. And for those that do not know who John Taylor is, I highly uh, implore you to do your fantasy football <laughs> research because John Taylor Welcome is to fantasy football. He is yeah. the number, what, arguably best three running backs in the league right now for the Colts. Yep. And there's a lot of drama going on, my friend. There is a lot of drama. So this last Saturday, John Taylor had requested a trade after Colts GM Jim Ursay tweets um, about a running back contract negotiation being unnecessary. So John Taylor, essentially, he had met with Jim on his bus, and he said, hey, I want to get paid. I am on the last year of my rookie contract. What are we going to do here? I'd like to get paid. And Jim Jim Ursay pretty much said, and I'm not quoting this you know, word for word, but nobody's going to care if I die or you die. The world goes on, and I'm not going to give you another contract. So he said that, right? So immediately after that, John requests a uh, request a trade. He wants out. He's like, fuck you guys. I'm out. Ursay responded by saying, we will not be trading John Taylor. And then it gets even spicier, Yeti, because John Taylor, right after that, said, hey, look, okay, if you're not going to trade me, that's fine. The Colts said, guess what? I'm going to go ahead and put you on the pup list, the physically unable to perform list, because you sustained a back injury while working out on your own. To which Jonathan Taylor responded, this is bullshit. Your sources are wrong. My back is perfectly fine. Little alarming. There's a lot of drama going on here. Yeti, when you saw all this, what was your initial thoughts? Man, it it was really interesting because obviously as a fantasy analytic, I analytic type of guy, 
I kind of looked at it from the fantasy side, but I think it's important to start on the real life slash football situation that's unfolding with JT. Um, Obviously, we all know that running backs are kind of in a situation right now where they're having issues getting paid. The top running backs want to get paid, but no teams want to pay, you know, 10 to 15 million dollars per year anymore for these young guys. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, like you had mentioned, he is one of the top young running backs in the game. He's 24 years old. He has two years left on his rookie contract and he wants to get paid. Uh, he's seeing what's going on with these running backs currently, and he wants to get his bag before he turns 26 years old. So with that being said, it's very interesting um, to see this unfold with Jim Irsay, because could you imagine you go into work one day and your manager is saying, hey, if you die and I die, the world won't care. You know, you're not going to get up. paid. We're, the world's going to go on, basically. So it, it sucks for Jonathan Taylor but it's also like if, if we talk about Jonathan Taylor potentially getting traded or he's demanding a trade at this point, the Colts have all the leverage here uh, in the situation because no team is going to pay Jonathan Taylor. The Colts are going to be asking for a lot in return for Jonathan Taylor. And I mean, look at what's going on right now. A lot of the older running backs are sitting in the in free agency just kind of waiting because they didn't get paid or they were looking they had big contracts and got cut. Jonathan Taylor, you know, he if he sits out this year um because he doesn't get traded, then he's just gonna get franchise tagged. So you think, he's you risking... do think that the Colts will franchise tag him because if he sits out, right? He sits out. He's not going to play this year. He says, I'm done with the Colts. I'm not touching another football wearing a Colts uniform. I'm not playing. So at that point, he loses a bunch of money. Is that correct? He loses a bunch of money from the team for sitting out for no reason. So he's going to lose money there. So he does that. And then he becomes a restricted free agent. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So he becomes a restricted free agent. And then you think the Colts will franchise tag him and does he just sit there and not play for them again? Do they franchise tag him and try and trade him, you know, get value for him? I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that no matter what, they're going to franchise tag him because there's value there, right? John Taylor is a top three running back in the NFL. They're going to want to squeeze as much juice as they can out of him. But if he refuses to play for them, how, in your opinion, how how do they have leverage? So really the Colts will have Jonathan Taylor for the next three years if they decide not to trade him because he has this year and next year under under contract, so with the Colts. And then if they franchise tag him, then that adds another year onto his contract. So that is three years that the situation could un- take to unfold. Now the Colts are obviously going to be asking for a lot in return, and I doubt they are going to get that for Jonathan Taylor. So Jonathan Taylor faces two issues here. He sits out, sorry, my cat's here, Um, but Jonathan Taylor faces an issue here because he is a running back. If he sits out for a year, there's going to be a lot of concern because he's going to be 25 years old. He's been away from the game for a year, but he's also not getting paid. You know, yeah. So that, um, I mean, that begs the question, like, because that is a topic of conversation. If John Taylor he says, you know what, I'm not playing for you, he's not getting paid, and yep, for him exactly. to sit out multiple years and not get paid, we talk, we've talked at nauseam now about the running back market and how how they are being 
I don't want to say undervalued. I don't want to say correctly valued, but there's there's a reevaluation shuffle that needs is happening with these running backs. A running back who hasn't played for three years, that's problematic. Like his value in and of itself intrinsically is going to go down, is it not? Because a fresh 24-year-old John Taylor is going to look much different than a fresh 27-year-old John Taylor that's three years removed from the NFL. Correct. Exactly. And in three years, he is going to be 27 years old. And what team is going to be willing to pay a running back that's 27 years old? Now, I don't think it's realistic that Jonathan Taylor sits out for three years. I don't even think that he sits out for this year. I think his hand is going to be forced and he's going to have to play this year, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. because not only is he going to lose out on game checks, but he's going to lose out on workout bonuses any additional incentives that are in his contract as far as rushing yards, touchdowns, whatever that may include. Um, so he's only doing more damage to himself. And unfortunately, the Colts handcuffed him at this point. Yeah, I, it seems to be that way. Uh, I'm interested to see how this continues. You know, we mentioned it. Uh, Zach Moss was somebody that we had kind of tweeted out and said, hey, you might want to go grab this guy. Well, here's the problem. He, had, he broke his arm in practice on Monday. So uh, he's expected to miss six weeks. That's problematic. I expect John Taylor to play as well, but I, you know me. I, I am somebody who I'm trying to get value on that waiver wire. Um, Zach Moss right now currently might still be the guy. Like He just broke his arm, so I'm not super excited about it, but uh, worth mentioning because we did talk about it. So, um, And then the other handcuff options, uh, Trayvon Williams, who was kind of the handcuff to Joe Mixon for the Bengals. Uh, he suffered a mild, excuse me, a mild ankle sprain in Tuesday's practice, according to Ian Rappaport. Williams is expected to be sidelined for a couple of weeks, which is not a great look for him. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what you do. Joe Mixon's still the guy there. He, he's a three-down back. He yeah. always has been. So we like handcuffs. We're going for handcuffs. But um, right now they're kind of down. I'm not saying drop Trayvon Williams because he's still a hold for me, and I think he'll probably be fine. We had a question here. Alan asked a question. He said, thoughts on the Colts trading for Christian, or excuse me, for Clyde Edwards-Alaire? I think it's pretty gross. I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not a good running back. I don't, I think if they could get him really cheap, maybe they'd consider it. Um, The Colts running back room right now is not looking very pretty. Like we just mentioned with Zach Moss breaking his arm and their RB1 currently refusing to play. I don't know if Clyde would be cheap. So I wouldn't hate that. I don't I don't think it's I think that the Chiefs are probably gonna hold on to Clyde, personally. Uh I mean, this is his contract year, and I think if they could get anything out of him, whether that's like a fourth or a fifth round pick, I, I think they would be inclined to do that, especially if they plan on pl- paying or playing Pacheco or McKinnon over Clyde. So Clyde is basically basically gonna ride the bench. That's now, why I don't think they're gonna get rid of him, is because I don't think anybody's gonna uh, pay true value for him. The Colts might. If Jonathan Taylor's playing the holdout game, sure. All right, let's go get another. Or they back could sign Leonard Fournette or, I or Kareem yeah. Hunt or any of these guys who are still sitting there. Yeah. Dalvin Cook's probably a little bit more expensive than those other two I named, but Zeke's still there too. So I mean, there's good name running backs, and they probably aren't going to want to spend a fifth round pick on one when they can just pay him for a one year contract if they'd be willing to do so. So I just don't see Clyde's value being high enough for them to try and do anything. But who knows? I could be completely wrong there. Uh, Seattle. Yeti, I don't know what's going on in the water at Seattle. I don't know if you've been to Seattle, um, but something must be in the water because both Kenneth Walker, it's, it has to be disgusting. Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. They are both sidelined with injuries. 
They're the one and two running back, Zach obviously being the rookie this season and Ken Walker being a stud running back last season. Um, Walker has a groin injury and he will remain out for, quote, a while, head coach Pete Carroll says. Zach Charbonnet is dealing with a shoulder injury and is out indefinitely while he is getting it checked out. However, both are expected to be ready week one. I don't know what's in that water. I don't know what they're giving those running backs in the running back room, but it ain't working. So I, I'm not really concerned with this. I don't know how, how you view it. I think they're both probably going to be fine. They're just going to be precautionary until until the season starts. But that's how I'm looking at this. I agree. There's no reason to play these guys in training camp. Um, I think the one person I'd be worried about here is Charbonnet. If he's already dealing with a shoulder injury going into training camp, uh, he's going to be missing reps, and obviously, as a running back, you kind of need your shoulders to, you know, avoid these tackles or break yeah. tackles. Um, but it's interesting because Kenny Walker's ADP right now is uh, he is a 15th running back off the board. So I want to ask you if Charbonnet. I know we we've had a lot of discussions about this split backfield possibility in Seattle. Um, if Charbonnet is to miss you know, let's say four to five weeks because of the shoulder injury. Do you think Kenny Walker's value should shoot up even more? I don't know, because here's my concern with that. I, I, I love the thought process and I love the potential for him being able to rise. But at some point, Zach's going to come back. And with where he was drafted at in this draft this year, I tend to believe he's going to be used in this offense. They're not going to draft somebody at his draft capital to have him sit on the bench and be a backup so i think that when they're healthy they're going to work in tandem with each other and that is kind of why i'm avoiding him in redraft leagues and and i'm kind of hesitant to draft him at 15 i don't think it's the end of the world i think it really just depends on who else is around when you're playing fantasy football man what you're looking for is you are looking for value especially in redraft formats you're looking at where can i get the best valued player at so I don't know if I'm touching him. He's kind of scary. If it now, if news comes out and it's it's Zach's going to miss the first six weeks, yeah, I'm a little bit more excited to take Walker there, obviously. But at some point, he's going to come back. At some point, he will be healthy, and I see this running back backfield working in tandem with the both of them. Yeah. So it, it's interesting because a lot of people are, you know, they they say that this backfield is going to be split, but. I, I tend to think that this is Kenny Walker's to lose. You know, obviously, Kenny, he, he has some injury concerns um, in his days in college. And I believe last year he missed time as well. Um, so I think it's more of an insurance policy for Kenny Walker. If he misses time, sure, Charbonnet might have the opportunity to take over his role. But I, I'm all you're, aboard you're, the Kenny Walker You're still train. on the Walker train? See, yeah. I, I'm... I hope I'm wrong. I'm just I'm hesitant and I'm a little nervous because I I could see them getting worked in. I still I agree. I think Kenny is the workhorse. I keep calling him Kenny like we're best friends. Um, I think that he is going to be the RB one in this offense, but I think we're going to see Zach come in and we're going to see more of a split, maybe a sixty forty or or a seventy thirty. But I still think Zach's going to be on the field. So um, it's just a question of how much. Speaking of running backs being on the field, Saints running back Alvin Kamara probably will not be. He's expected to be suspended for his incident in Las Vegas, but the length will be determined by none other than NFL Commissioner Raji Goodell. So it, it was kind of looking a little optimistic with Alvin Kamara and the news with him that he was he was cleared of all charges, but the league obviously still has their say, and they can still uh, give out their punishments 
And it sounds like Alvin Kamara will have a suspension. It's just a, a matter of how long. Yeah, and I think that's kind of baked into his current ADP. He yeah. uh, is going in the ninth round at this current moment, which is kind of crazy. That is crazy. Um, if he were to were to miss like two to four weeks, I think I would love him. Oh, in, yeah. In the ninth round? Hell yeah. Give me Alvin Kamara with his PPR upside. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, but currently, it definitely makes Jamal Williams... Uh, the running back previously for the Lions makes him a little bit more enticing. I think, you know, that gets me a little bit more excited. It's just really going to depend on how long Kamara's suspension is. And then Kendra Miller, I see a lot of murmurs about that as well. For those who don't know, he's a rookie running back that the the Saints drafted in the third round, I believe. Um, is he so injured? Because I know he got put on the pup list. He's not. I he's haven't fine. seen He's fine. He's fine okay. now, yeah. So he's a good, like for dynasty owners, yeah, absolutely. I'm stashing him. For redraft formats, I'm still a little hesitant. I think he's going to have to work his way into that role. Jamal Williams was absolutely electric last year. He was a touchdown machine. Within five yards. What's that? <laughs> I said within well, five yeah, yards. Yeah, I mean, he was Jamal a touchdown machine team. for them. So yep. I expect him to be kind of the. Uh, the the main running back when Alvin Kamara is not around. So we'll two TBD on that one. There's also some wide receiver injuries. We'll just kind of breeze over those very quickly here. So Broncos wide receiver, Tim Patrick suffered a complete tear of his left Achilles. Sounds absolutely painful on Monday's practice. It's a second straight year that Patrick has suffered a season ending ending injury. I think Marvin Mims is pretty spicy. Yeti. I think that kind of escalates him into starting wide receiver territory. I think Tim Patrick, if you have him on a dynasty format, I would take absolutely anything I could get for him. If someone is offering you a fourth round pick, I am taking that and running like I freaking won the lottery because I don't see Tim Patrick's career getting any better from here. So I think this is kind of the end of Tim Patrick, unfortunately. And uh, T's and P's. Yeah. T's and P's. We, we wish you the best, buddy. Other notable news here, and this is actually kind of potentially important. Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup left Tuesday's practice with a hamstring injury. He had an MRI, and the team is being very cautious with him moving forward. I don't know if he pulled something. The The news has not broke exactly to what has happened with Cooper Cup other than his injury, um, but we, we don't have any updates at this moment. Pretty alarming. Something I would definitely, if you're in a redraft format, I'm I'm probably looking at Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase over Cooper Cup at this current juncture. Uh, if you were leading towards the Cooper Cup train, still a great wide receiver. He's still going to certainly be usable, but he's coming back from an injury, season-ending season-ending injury last season, and uh, and he's already tweaked something, so he is getting a little bit older. I I don't think it's going to impact him too much, but the team's certainly being cautious with him, and I think you should too if you're looking at drafting him. Last thing here, Calvin Ridley has a toe injury, and he's limited at practice. I don't know. He probably stubbed his toe. I was going to say Urban Meyer probably kicked him, but that's not the case anymore. So um, that's it. That's all the news that we have, Yeti, or the news updates for everyone. I think uh, I think we should bust and get down to some quarterback conversation and kind of go over some uh, some fantasy football and NFL preview for these quarterbacks. You ready to go? Let's go, my friend. All right. Lord have mercy. I'm about to bust. Let's start out with this, Yeti. We, we're obviously, like I just mentioned, we're going to be talking about quarterbacks, and we're going to talk about we have them in a tiered list, but I want to talk about quarterbacks for fantasy football here for just a moment because this last year was a really weird year for quarterbacks. It was a, a very weird year. The, the previous year, we were talking about quarterbacks, and we were talking about how you shouldn't draft a quarterback early, right? Because the, 
the spread between the quarterback one to the quarterback, I think it was 10, was only like three points a game. So why would you draft a quarterback in the third round when you can draft a quarterback in the seventh round and you're going to get very similar production out of them? That was a conversation we were having last year. And now you look at it going into this year and it's a completely different story. So the quarterback spread, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he was quarterback one. He was putting up 25 points per game on average. The quarterback eight being Trevor Lawrence was putting up 17 points a game. So you're talking it almost an eight point swing there. Right. And that's still within the top 10. So it's it's almost a dynamic shift in some ways about these quarterbacks and, and where they're going now. And I don't have the answer. I don't know if you have the answer, but I just want to have an honest conversation and, and get get people thinking about this. Was it because of, there was a drought last year of, of touchdowns? We saw it. We talked about it. The first couple of weeks of fantasy football, I'm going to be honest with you, were absolutely boring. It was terrible because you're like, it was like that little meme of somebody poking a dead thing with a stick and they're like, do something because mm-hmm. nothing was happening. We didn't see these yeah. offenses really explode. There was a, a lot less touchdowns thrown and ran in by these quarterbacks, especially to start the season. Are defenses getting better? Are we starting to see offenses slow down? Like, what do you think here as far as some of the productional aspect from these quarterbacks? So obviously I don't have all the answers here. I wish I did or else, you know, I'd be getting first place in every fantasy league that I'm in. But um, in my opinion, I, I think the, the shift that we are starting to see in these fantasy quarterbacks has something to do with the changing of the guard. I know we talked about this last year with, you know, a lot of elite quarterbacks that we've grown to love. Tom Brady, uh, Payne Manning, Russell Wilson, Aaron Ryan Rodgers, Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Johnny Matt Ryan, Johnny Manziel, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tim um, Tebow. Tim Tebow. Yep. Uh, <laughs> those guys are, you know, they're getting older and we're not used to, uh, we're, we're not seeing them perform at the levels that we're used to seeing and they're not putting up the fantasy stats anymore. But I also think it's a, it's a combination of that and these mobile quarterbacks are getting injured. You know, look at Kyler Murray, obviously last year when he was healthy, he was good. You know, he was putting up almost 19 points per game and then he missed some time. Lamar Jackson, similar situation Tua, uh, he was electric when he was on the field. That, I'm not going to say running quarterback there. I'm just going to say but, weak, weak brain. Yeah. Terrible. Sad brain. Scrambled yeah, sad, brain. yeah. Scrambled brain is um, probably. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it, it's, it's interesting when we talk about fantasy redraft strategies now, because I used to be under the impression that I can get a run or a quarterback in round 10 and I'll be fine. I can go get Kirk cousins late. I can go get Aaron Rodgers late and I'll be okay. But it's almost like if you can solidify one of the top four quarterbacks early, like within the first five rounds, you're setting your team apart because those guys are going to average 24, 25 points a game. Whereas Kirk Cousins, he might only give me 17 point game and seven points might make or break your fantasy games every week. Sure. Mind you, Kirk Cousins did finish his quarterback seven last year, but you're you, uh, that's that's great. That's still a starting quarterback in fantasy football, but. Kirk Cousins also averaged 18 points a game. And then when you look at it and Patrick Mahomes finished with 25, that's a seven point swing. And that could, like you mentioned, that could be the difference between winning and losing. So I, I don't have the answers or the analytics at the moment. I, I, it was something we had just kind of briefly touched on before we clicked record here for all the brainiacs to listen to. So just bringing it up is something to think about because it, it, 
it's interesting. You look at draft strategies year over year. It was, I'm going to draft a running back first. Your first two picks, almost every single time, were a running back. Yeti, I'm going to tell you right now, that is not my draft strategy going into this year. I'm looking for two wide receivers because there's a lot of running backs in these later rounds that I think you can. And obviously, this all depends on where you're picking at, right? So take this with a grain of salt. I don't want everybody coming screaming at me saying I'm an idiot because it depends on where your draft position and where your picking is. But that is my draft strategy going into this year is I want two big, big wide receivers because these running backs... We saw it last year that there was a drought for them and it was a drought trying to to win on a weekly basis. And you can get a lot more value out of the wide receiver position early than you can some of these running backs. So that's my strategy going into this. It's almost like now because I used to be of the same mindset. I need a wide receiver and a running back or if I, you know, I switch it up, get a running back and a wide receiver. But now it's almost like, okay, if I can get a get an elite wide receiver early and then if I could get like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen with my second pick, that's almost equivalent to getting a top running back with their, their rushing upside, obviously. Um, but then again, they're putting up 24, 25 points a game like an elite running back would in the past. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, we, I don't think we're going to have the answers. What I'm interested in is at the end of the year, when we look back at the statistics and compare them to last season, that's what I'm really interested in because I, I think that's going to be a, a a more solidifying tell of what the future looks like when it comes, like just kind of, it, are we trending in this direction or was this an outlier year? And that's really what I'm interested to see. So, um, but let's talk about it. Let's, let's talk about quarterbacks here. Um, we're going to start out with, with the GOAT. The best quarterback in the NFL right now, in my opinion, is none other than Patrick Mahomes. I have him listed as my my quarterback one. He's we so we've tiered these into five different tiers. So as we we're going to talk about fifteen different quarterbacks today, we're going to spend a little bit more time on some and a little bit less time on some others. Patrick Mahomes, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on Yeti. I, I, he's a tier one quarterback, one being the best, five being the worst. Um, I, it's a no brainer for me. I, I mean, he's he is the best quarterback in the league in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think much needs to be said about Patrick Mahomes right now. Um, his current ADP is, uh, he has a 15th pick off the board right now, so he's looking at that second round, middle second round, maybe early third range. So um, just keep that in mind, but I don't think you're going to go wrong with Patrick Mahomes no, <laughs> as your no. second pick. No, I mean, he's finished in the top five since 2018. With the exception of 2019, he finished as quarterback eight. Every other year, he's finished in the top five since 2018. Last season, he finished as quarterback one. Patrick Mahomes, it's a no-brainer. A lot of people were concerned last year, myself included. I'm not going to say I wasn't, but what's this team look like without Tyreek Hill? What's this team look like without a true wide receiver one? Well, they won the Super Bowl. They still got it done, and it showed Patrick Mahomes, we saw, take that next step in being able to spread the ball out a little more. Like we, I mean, we had said that going into last season. We're going to see this offense look a little bit different. It's not going to be hucking it down the field to Tyreek Hill. It's going to be spreading the ball out more efficiently, very obviously, Travis Kelsey is the guy to own in that offense. But aside from that, it's it gets a little bit more frustrating to figure out on a week-to-week basis for fantasy. But it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he is he is my quarterback one. I have him ranked as quarterback one finishing on the season. I don't know if that co-aligns with you or not. Yes, sir. Okay. Quarterback one. Okay. Pretty easy. Perfect. Let's talk about Josh Allen for just a moment here. I also have him in tier one. Um, I believe you do as well. Another guy, it's a no-brainer. It's Josh Allen. He finishes quarterback two this last season. Um, and then he had back-to-back quarterback one finishes in 20 and 20, 
one. So Josh Allen, he's the guy. Um, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't know where you have him at, but that's that's my initial thoughts. Yeah, I have Josh Allen as my quarterback too as well. Um, my only real concern with Josh Allen going into this season is last year we kind of kind of saw. Um, I would say rookie Josh Allen come out at times with his decision-making and his lack of care for the football. Um, We saw him turn over the ball at a high rate last season with 13 fumbles, 14 picks, 27 turnovers. You know, obviously that hurts um, uh, when you're playing in fantasy leagues because that's, uh, you know, depending on your league settings, right? But that's negative one, negative two points. So, yeah, yeah, I would just – that's my only concern with him. Obviously, the rushing upside, I love. Um, we keep on hearing murmurs that his rushing numbers are going to go down and down. No, last year he ran the most that he's ever ran. So. Yeah, I have him. I just want to be clear. I have him finish his quarterback three on the year. So I'm very obviously still up there. I, he's still one of the greats, but I do not have him at number two. I have Patrick Mahomes at one. I have Josh Allen at two. I got Jalen or I'm sorry, Josh Allen at three. I have Jalen Hurts at two. So I have I have Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Josh Allen. Jalen Hurts, we saw take tremendous steps. We have we both have him ranked as a tier one quarterback. If you don't, I th- I don't think you're watching and playing fantasy football. To be honest with you, Jalen Hurts, he he looked great. He took a lot of steps to progress. He was a good runner, but he he became a much more effective passer, which is what, one of my things that I really wanted to see out of him this season. He's done it right. I think that. We're going to see that again. I think we're going to see him continue to improve upon his throwing game. I think Jalen Hurts is an elite quarterback, and the league did not ban the tush push for the touchdown. So I think that we're still going to see quite a bit of Jalen Hurts sitting right behind uh, Jason Kelsey and getting pushed into the end zone. So I I still expect his touchdown rate to be pretty damn high, and I haven't finished in his quarterback two overall. Yep, I agree with you. And uh, to note about the tush push or whatever, uh, Jalen Hurts obviously led all quarterbacks with 45 red zone rushing attempts, which is insane. Um, Justin Fields, who we'll talk about a little bit later, he finished second with 29 uh, red zone rushes. So obviously Jalen Hurts' upside is tremendous if he's getting that many touches. Um it's important to note that Miles Sanders is no longer there as a running back either. Now, obviously, I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is going to be Miles Sanders. He's not going to replace Miles Sanders' load, right? But um, some of those load. touches might. <laughs> some of those red zone touches might end up going a, a little more to Jalen Hurts, who had 11 rushing touchdowns last season in the red zone. I'm not saying he's going to get like 20, but I mean, 11 might be realistic again. I agree. I, th- I truthfully, I do. I think that. I and obviously touchdowns you can never predict a touchdown right like that's that's one of the statistics that we can hope for and cross our fingers but you can never predict one of those um I think that's a realistic expectation because Jalen Hurts is not slowing down and he's still been efficient so I have Jalen Hurts finishing at QB2 so the list right now for me goes Patrick Mahomes Jalen Hurts Josh Allen and you have Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen Jalen Hurts Yep. Okay, so we're pretty close. We're pretty close there. And I, I honestly think they're all kind of interchangeable because they're going to score about the same every week, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and their ADPs are kind of showing me that, too. Yeah. Mahomes is a 15th pick. 
uh, Allen is an 18th pick and Hertz is a 23rd pick. So they're all within 10 picks of each other, right? So I don't think you can go wrong with any of them. Um, my question to you is, would you be willing to spend a top three pick on any of these three guys in redraft formats? Like, are you talking like a third round pick on them? Yeah. Or like, you know, Mahomes, he's going in the middle of the second. Allen's I have a tough time taking any quarterback in the second round. That's okay. me. That might be, you know, a little old school thought process there still. And it's going to be hard for me to try and step away from this as we kind of talked about. Um, but I'm trying to shift my mentality a little bit. It's going to be really hard for me to take a quarterback in the second round. I'm just being honest with you. Now, in the third round, I could consider it depending upon where I fall at and, and what ADP is and everything like that. I still probably am not touching a quarterback in the second round. That's just me because I think that there's still potentially – some some big name wide receivers or maybe even running backs that, that you can get that are still going to produce much higher than some some other names so um i'm, I'm going to stay away from them if they're in the second round if they're in the third round i think we could start to have some some very real conversations in that way how do you feel about joe burrow yeti i, I he's i have him listed as a second tier quarterback and i believe you have him at a third so why don't you give us your thoughts on on old joey ice over there yeah, so Joey B, um, I have him in, what, tier three. Um, so I I still like him, obviously, as a quarterback one. Um, but at his current ADP as the 32nd pick overall, so he's going in the fourth round, I just don't see him living up to that potential. I think you're kind of getting him at his ceiling. And I would much rather uh, get somebody a little bit later. Um, I know I love Joe Burrow, the player. I think he's an elite quarterback. But as far as fantasy production, um, I, I tend to lean more towards the guys who have rushing upside. And I'm not saying Joe Burrow can't move because he can sure move the pocket and he's not afraid to tuck it and run it. But I, I he, he I doesn't tend move to lean like Josh towards, Allen. He yeah, he doesn't move like Jalen Hurts. He's not built like Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen. So I would much rather have some of those guys and the the guys in my tier two that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Sure. Joe Burrow, he did finish his quarterback on 11 on the season for rushing. He had 257 rushing yards, which put him at QB 11. I was actually surprised by that when I went and, and kind of found that information because I don't think of rushing when I think of Joe Burrow. So for him to finish his QB 11 on the season, I would have put him farther down than that. Um, but like you said, he's not afraid to tuck it and run it, but that's not his first inclination, nor should it be when you have T Higgins and Jamar Chase out there. So I have I have Joey B finishing his QB four on the year. I, I think if he's got two elite wide receivers, he is very poised in that that pocket that gives him no time, and he gets the job done. And he's very cons- he's consistently finished as a an elite quarterback. So I have him as QB four finish on the year. Where do you have him at? Um, quarterback seven. Okay, in my opinion. Okay, well then I'm I'm interested to see where you have Lamar Jackson, Yeti. Lamar Jackson, Ooh. he got his deal done. He got his uh-huh. deal done for the Ravens. He's going to be around for a while. They've kind of bolstered that wide receiver room with OBJ and and rookie Zay Flowers. You're in. Are you in on Lamar Jackson? I don't know if I'm going crazy or what, guys, but I am all over this Baltimore offense. I really am. Um, I've talked about Baltimore's offense a couple different times in past episodes, and I tend to think that 
Lamar Jackson is going to return to MVP form this season. Um, I didn't put him in tier one just because I think the top three guys are kind of solidified in their offenses. Obviously, we know what they look like. I just believe that Lamar Jackson's upside we have seen, obviously, with his MVP season. And I tend to think that he can return to that form. Um, so I have him as my quarterback four, uh, obviously in the tier two, two category. Um, I just think the addition of Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, uh, and a competent offensive coordinator is going to be huge for Lamar Jackson's success. And I also think that the weapons that they surrounded Lamar Jackson with are going to help him out tremendously. Um, Zay Flowers is he's the buzz of training camp. Every every time I see news out of Baltimore, it's Zay Flowers is this. Odell looks like this. Um, and, and it just sounds like these guys are Zay Flowers in particular is a yak machine. You get him the ball and he's going to do something in space. So I am super high on Lamar Jackson. Um, I tend to think last year was kind of a soft holdout on his part. Like, oh, my knee hurts. Uh, I'll show you guys what Snoop Huntley can do and then pay me. Um, so I, I don't really, knock on wood, I don't have as many concerns with Lamar as other people do. But, um, yeah, I have him finishing quarterback four. I have him in tier three. Uh, but I haven't finished in at quarterback five, so I don't know how that translates as from a tier system. Here's my concern with Lamar Jackson. You kind of broke a tier system. Right? I know I did a little bit because I, <laughs> I I tiered him out, and then I went and made my list for top 15 quarterback finishes in this list um, or and ranked him, and I was like, yeah, I think Lamar Jackson. I agree. I think this is going to be a, a much different offense, I think, which is good because the last two years – Lamar Jackson had not played for 27% of the the games. So when you're when you're missing your starting quarterback and over a fourth of your games in 2 years, that's a problem. I do have a little bit of concern there. I'm not going to lie to you. So Lamar Jackson, this is a I don't know where his current ADP is, but I'm going to tell you right now, he, for me, he's one of those players I'm looking to avoid this year because I want him to prove it to me before I can trust him again. What have you done for me lately? We say that all the time around here. Lamar Jackson hasn't done anything for me lately, and it has been consistently lately, and that's a scare for me. So if he is able to stay healthy, I think this is a really, really good offense, and I think you're going to see a lot of production out of Lamar Jackson from a fantasy football standpoint. I just don't know if he can stay healthy, and that's that's really not a risk I'm willing to take because I would venture to say Lamar Jackson's probably going around the fifth round right now. I, I don't know if that's accurate or not, um, and and I kind of have some some scared feelings about him in the fifth. So Lamar's current ADP is the late fourth round. Yeah, uh, Joe Burrow is going in the early fourth as the fourth quarterback, and Lamar is the fifth quarterback off the board right now. Um, and while I agree, you know, we do kind of live and die by the what have you done for me lately? I just think that this is probably the cheapest we will ever see Lamar Jackson in the next three years. If he if that offense is going to perform like I think it is, Lamar is going to be in this top three, top four category next year. When we'll we see talk about it. We'll see. What about Justin Fields? So Justin Fields last year kind of exploded onto the scene for his rushing upside and he finished as quarterback six. His throwing was yeah. terrible. He can't throw the ball mm -hmm. worth or could not throw the ball worth of shit last season, but he really didn't have any wide receivers. They've done a lot to change this offense as far as personnel. They've obviously got DJ Moore there. Their defense is a lot more stout. David Montgomery's not around anymore. What do you think about Justin Fields? I have him as a tier two quarterback. 
I have him as a tier two quarterback as well. Um, I think he will finish as quarterback six this year. Um, and I, I do expect him to take strides with his passing. Now, obviously, last year we kind of got used to see him, seeing him just tuck it and fucking run it like a, excuse me, like a running back because that's all this offense could really do. It was Justin Fields to commit, and then Justin Fields is going to tuck it and run it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think obviously with the additions of DJ Moore, um, there we know what Chicago is going to have to do. They're going to have to throw, to the, throw ball. the ball. Yeah, um, and it's Justin Fields' upside. Obviously, is tremendous. Uh, with his legs Um, last year he had 29 red zone rushes which was second for quarterbacks and he had five touchdowns in the red zone so obviously the upside is there and I I am happy drafting Justin Fields where his current ADP is of sixth round no Uh, fifth round middle of fifth round that's and that's where like that's where I want to get that value for a quarterback because I also have Justin Fields finishing his QB six on the season Um, I I think that we're going to see Kind of a, and I don't want to call it the same, but I think we're going to kind of see a Jalen Hurts transformation where you get Justin Fields some help. We saw what happened when AJ Brown came onto the scene with Jalen Hurts. He he looked like a much more competent thrower. I think we're going to see that with Justin Fields as well. DJ Moore is a great wide receiver. He's been a great wide receiver since he's entered the league. And now Justin Fields has his true wide receiver one. And we kind of saw something similar with Josh Allen when Stefan Diggs came onto the scene. So I'm hoping for that transition. I, and the rushing upside is just too juicy to pass up. Justin Fields, I got to finish at QB six and and where his values at that's somebody that I would love to take in the in the fifth round area because I think the value is just just tremendous so uh, Justin Herbert quarterback for the Chargers Yeti I got him in a tier two you got him in a tier two what's up with Justin Herbert where do you have him finishing at on the season yeah so a lot like uh, Lamar Jackson I tend to think that Justin Herbert is going to have a huge bounce bounce back season. Um, obviously Justin Herbert, we're used to seeing him in the top 10 last year. He kind of fell out. Um, and I don't know how much of that had to do with him being injured, um, in a combination of the offensive coordinator, but, uh, they have a new offensive coordinator there in Los Angeles. Um, Kellen Moore, who came over from Dallas, led an explosive offense with Dak Prescott leading the charge and, Sorry if this is breaking news, but Justin Herbert's a much better quarterback than Dak Prescott. What? Um, oh, I know, man. That's going to set off somebody. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> but ho- ho- I, I do. Gonna... Yeah, I'm very excited. This That hurts to say, but I'm very excited to see what the Chargers offense can do uh, when everybody's healthy. They're going to have a young, explosive offensive coordinator there in Los Angeles, and I think Justin Herbert is going to return to top five status. So I have him finishing as quarterback five behind Lamar. I I have Justin Herbert finish as quarterback nine, and which is still, I think, fine. It's a top ten quarterback, so he's a starting quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But Justin Herbert I'm a little scared of, and, and the reason being is not because of Justin Herbert, but because of, of who he has around him. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen struggled to stay healthy last year. Obviously, they drafted a rookie, uh, Quinton Johnston, and I expect QJ to be used in this offense, but I still have a lot of concerns that Williams and Allen are going to stay healthy. I think that at least one of them is going to go down, if not maybe both of them again. Um, and that leaves that leaves some question marks in, in, on the wide receiver side of things. And as we know, Justin Herbert is not a rusher. Justin Herbert is very much your prototypical pocket passer. 
that's what he does really well. And if he doesn't have good receivers, he's not going to be able to move the ball efficiently. We saw that last year, right? So that's where my concern is. That's why I bumped him down a little bit. And there's just some other guys that I like a little bit more that I think their risk tolerance is, well, I say that and, and we're going to laugh here in a second, but um, their risk tolerance is a little bit less. So I, I have Justin Herbert finishing his quarterback nine on the season. Which is which is fair. Um, I don't hate that, but I, I think it's it's interesting that Justin Herbert he finished as quarterback eleven last year, but he almost had five thousand passing yards. The yeah. the biggest issue with Justin Herbert last year was the touchdown regression. Mm-hmm. He had twenty five passing touchdowns, which obviously hurts. Yeah, um, he's he kind of came down to earth from the previous season when he had thirty eight passing touchdowns. So that's quite a difference, you know. Mm-hmm. If if we add half of that. He's looking at probably a top five finish last year. Yeah, and and like I agree with you. I think this new, I think a new offensive coordinator is going to severely change the outlook of this offense for the better. But I still hold some of that fear, and there's some other guys that I'm a little bit more interested in. And Justin Herbert, um, I like him. I think he's a top ten quarterback for me. But I just have him bumped down a little bit. So I, I got him at nine, and you have him at what? Uh, quarterback five. Quarterback five. Okay, so let's just go through our list real quick here. Let's go through our, our top six. So I, I'll start us. I got Patrick Mahomes, then Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Fields. And then and then I Justin have, Herbert at nine. Yep. Uh, Patrick Mahomes at one. Josh Allen two. Hurts three. Burrow. F- uh, whoa. I'm sorry. I'm just reading down the list now. <laughs> uh, Lamar Jackson was four. Uh, Justin Fields, I have him at six, Justin Herbert at five, and then Joe Burrow at seven. Okay. All right, let's talk about Trevor Lawrence. Sarah Jessica Parker herself, quarterback for the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, he took some steps in the right direction. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think he needs a haircut. It drives me nuts, but I don't have any, I don't have any control over it. A lot of people, I mean, this was his second year, right? But for a, a lot of people are arguing, and I think it's fair to say that this was really his rookie year because we saw Urban Meyer come in and literally kick his kicker. Uh, it was a lot of a lot of bad things were happening behind the scenes, and I don't think Trevor Lawrence got a fair shot. So we saw him do quite a bit this last season, and and he, I mean, he took the Chargers, Chargers, excuse me, he took the Jaguars pretty damn far, right? I like Trevor Lawrence. He finished quarterback eight on the season, which is absolutely insane for a second-year quarterback that we're really counting as his rookie year. I have him as a tier three. I have him as a tier three. I don't like that offense from a personnel standpoint, and that's one of my that's one of the things that is kind of why I've put him a little bit lower on my list. I think he's going to be fine. I'm excited for the Jaguars this season to be better than they have in years past, but. I don't know if, if Trevor Lawrence, from a fantasy football standpoint, is going to get it done for me. I've got Trevor Lawrence finishing his quarterback 11 on the season. Yeah, you know, I I know there's a lot of hype on Jacksonville, and I understand it because they're young and they're a hot team last offseason. So we have that kind of fresh in our minds so that this team is they're just so explosive. They're fun to watch and all that. I get it. I get it. But I just have this feeling that we're going to see some regression, a little bit of regression with this offense. And I'm not saying like dramatic, like, oh, they're just going to suck. But I don't think there's enough upside for Trevor Lawrence to do any better than he did last season. So he finished as quarterback eight last season. I have him basically quarterback eight again this upcoming season, just because 
there's no rushing upside there. Yeah. You're you're gonna hope that he has a three, four uh, passing touchdown game to have any success in your redraft league. So he's not a sexy choice to me, but um, I get it. He he's 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 a comfortable guy to plug and play. And that's I I agree. I I think we've seen kind of his ceiling, so to speak. And and you know what, we could be wrong, but. I get the impression that NFL defenses are going to really start to figure this out. And, and Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, I got him at 11. So I have him right outside of my top 10. Yeah. And it's interesting me before we switch, sorry. No, you're um, his current ADP is the middle of the sixth round. Yeah. I don't hate that. I, I but there's some other guys that are probably ADPs around there that I would rather have over Trevor Lawrence. And, and we'll talk about it yeah. here in a little bit. One of those people's not Dak Prescott. I, Dak Prescott, I think his his days are now numbered in the league, if I'm being completely honest. I think within two years, we're probably going to see the Cowboys start to to think about a quarterback change at some point. Um, I have him as a Tier 4. You have him as a Tier 5. So why don't you tell, uh, tell all the Brainiacs a little bit about why you have Dak Prescott as your worst rating this upcoming season? Yeah, so I have Dak Prescott finishing outside the top 10 this year, which I don't know if that's going to alarm any bells here. Uh, Maybe if there's a Dallas fan, I guess. But um, I have him finishing outside the top 10 simply because I think we're going to start seeing Dak return to the Dak that we're used to seeing, the turnover-prone Dak. Um, I say that largely due to the fact that Kellen Moore, who was his offensive coordinator, is no longer with Dallas. Um, Kellen Moore has been with Dak Prescott for four of his five seasons. And in those four seasons, we saw Dak take strides. We saw him take tremendous strides with his decision-making and his pocket awareness. Um, But we're going to see Mike McCarthy return to play calling. And Mike McCarthy has kind of came out and he said, we don't want to be the number one scoring offense. We don't want to be anything flashy. We just want to win games, basically. And when my play caller or head coach is saying that, like we're just going to get the job done and we're, you know, we're going to run the ball, that kind of hurts Dak Prescott quite a bit, right? Um, so I have Dak, uh, like you mentioned, he's in my tier five. So in my mind, that is, you know, quarterback nice dog 13 water. and beyond so i i'm seeing him probably quarterback 13 14 15 area yeah so i am i'm on on our list of the 15 quarterbacks we're talking about today i have dak prescott at 14 so i i tend to agree with you i dak prescott is somebody to me i i i'm afraid of i'm not going to draft dak prescott in any of my leagues and for all you cowboys fans out there i'm not sorry I don't think this offense is going to be great this year. Yes, you have CD Lamb. I love Brandon Cooks going there, and I'd, I'd probably CD Lamb. I'm not taking it as current ADP, but Brandon Cooks is a great late round flyer, I think. But I'm afraid of this offense. I, I agree. I think Kellen Kellen Moore leaving is is going to um, see some decline in a lot of areas, kind of like what we saw when when Dable left for the Bills this last season. We saw the offense struggle yep, a little exactly. bit. Exactly. So yep. I that's kind of a little bit more of how I envision this offense going. And and Dak Prescott to me, he doesn't have the rushing upside. I'm afraid of him. I'm gonna look in a different direction. So I've got him at quarterback fourteen on my list. And now Deshaun Watson Yeti. Let's talk about the man who could not keep his hands to himself. I've got him at tier number three. So, and, and you do as well from the looks of it. We both have him at tier number three. This might shock some people. I have Deshaun Watson finishing his quarterback eight on the year. So, and I think that that's, I think that's fair is probably the right word to say. 
Deshaun Watson, before his whole sabbatical, where he, he, he's been removed from the NFL for a couple of years, he was a top-tier elite quarterback. Obviously, we all know what has happened with Deshaun Watson and, and the whole legalities that played out. He's now with the Browns. I don't count last season. We've said that before. You've said that before. We're not counting last season because he came in in week 10, I think it was, and what defense is already primed and ready to go. He's been removed from the sport for two years. He gets thrown in and is saying, hey, we need you to go to compete at the same high level. It's just not going to happen. But I think now that he's gotten to build build some rapport with the team, he's had an offseason with them. He's going to get a little bit more comfortable. I expect Deshaun Watson to come back, and he still has to prove it a little bit, which is why I have him in, in a, like a Tier 3-esque category. But I think you could maybe even slide him to a Tier 2 because if we can see any semblance of the former Deshaun Watson here, I'm pretty excited for him from a fantasy football standpoint because he did have that rushing upside, and he had a good arm and was making a lot of good reads. He, he did obviously have one of the best wide receivers in DeAndre Hopkins when he was playing, but... It stands to reason, I think, that, that we're going to see some some positive regression from where he was last year, in my opinion. Uh, I think you might have been looking at my show notes because I <laughs> kind of have, you know, all the same thoughts. And I don't say that just to cop out, but I think it's it's the, the truth, right? Like, if Deshaun Watson can show us his legs that we're used to seeing with Houston, I mean, it's a no-brainer that he's going to finish inside the top 10, right? I think he has more upside than Trevor Lawrence if, if he returns a Deshaun Watson, um, the Deshaun Watson of old that we're used to seeing. He has more upside than Dak, obviously. Um, you could even argue he might have more upside than Justin Herbert if he gets his legs going. I have him, I have him rated right. I have Deshaun Watson at eight and Justin Herbert at nine because I do believe that his legs are going to be a churning. And I also, I, truth be told, I kind of like this offense. I think this offense is a much better offense from a from a personnel standpoint, anyway, than what he had with the Texans. He's got a very comparable running back in Nick Chubb, and then he has Amari Cooper. They traded and they got Elijah Moore, and I'm excited for that. I, I think that trade really signifies that Elijah Moore is going to be a focal point in this offense and there's kind of buzz and training camp about more really shining Donovan people's Jones is still there. I just think from a, a personnel standpoint, he has a lot more weapons to work with than he did when he was with the Texans. It was pretty much Hopkins, Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson. And that was it. They never had a running back. They didn't really have a great tight end and they have David Njoku there. So I, I really like this personnel. I expect them to take uh, severe strides in the right direction. I think Browns fans, I would be pretty optimistic if I was a Browns fan right now. And I, I would be excited for what this future could hold with Deshaun Watson at the helm. So I got him at quarterback eight. I have Deshaun as quarterback nine. So we're not too far off here. Okay, perfect. What about Tua? Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback for the Dolphins, a.k.a. Mr. Scramble Brains. I'm a little afraid of Tua, and I've said this before. I got Tua as a Tier 2 quarterback, and I and it looks like you, you and I are probably going to differ here. I'm excited for Tua, especially I think where his ADP currently is. That's what gets me more excited than anything else, and I may have pre-baked that into my tier a little bit. Uh, but I, I've, I've gone on record and said I've liked Tua before. He finishes quarterback 15 last season. So what's interesting, and I've said this on, on a previous episode, is that he missed four games. Really, it was five games because he got a concussion at the start of one of them. But from a statistical and analytical perspective, you still count that game. He only got three points. So if we take that game out, he finished his quarterback six on the season last year if he would have played in all these games and, and held that same average all the way through. So 
I really think that the weapons on this Dolphins offense are, are perpetuating me to get very, very excited for Tua. There is some fear. As I've said, I am a little concerned for his brain. I want to make sure that, like, I and but where his ADP is, I think, oh gosh, I think he's changed from, he was quarterback 11. Now he's, his ADP reflects his quarterback 10 on the season. Um, so it's it's gone up a little bit. Maybe maybe all the Brainiacs are drafting him now. I'm not sure. But I, I if he can stay healthy, I think he's a top 10 quarterback, Yeti. I, in fact, I have two of finishes quarterback seven on the season. Quarterback seven? Yeah. Wow. So you think he's going to be better than Justin Herbert this season, huh? I do. Yeah. If he can stay healthy. And, and that's, I mean, that's all subjective. Here's the issue. It's can Tua stay healthy or can Justin Herbert's weapons stay healthy? And that's the game that I'm playing. Oh, and it's a gross game to play. That is a very gross game to play. I think I'd much rather trust Justin Herbert with, um, with his backups than Tua to his health. Yes. But uh, the the thing that is so enticing for me is the fact that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are both there. And those guys are, they're both wide receiver ones. They're both playmakers. Tua took such significant strides, even from just getting Tyreek Hill and Josh McDaniels. Like that, we, when Josh McDaniels came there, that offense looked completely different in a really wonderful way. And I'm excited for that. Another year under the belt with with his head coach, you get a little bit more familiarity between his uh, Tyreek and himself. Not that they didn't have time last season, but the biggest concern for me, as I mentioned, is just him staying healthy. If he can stay healthy, I I I think he's a quarterback seven. Yeah, I think Tua is kind of where we, where the biggest difference lies between the two of us. Um, I have Tua in tier four, and I think he finishes quarterback twelve, so outside of the top ten, um, still low end QB one, which is you know fine. But what it comes down to for me when I'm looking at top ten quarterbacks, I'm looking at okay, how much rushing upside do they have, and then what is their passing opportunities are they throwing the ball you know 30 times a game and they're just getting a shit ton of uh yards it's a shit ton of touchdowns or what's going on with them that is what i look at when i rank my top 10 with tua i have concerns obviously with his health concussions are something that we can't nobody can predict obviously we can't predict knee injuries that kind of stuff but with tua he's literally one tackle away from being done playing football and with Tua, he doesn't possess the rushing upside. We are relying on Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle to go out and make plays. And now I'm not saying Tua can't make those 20-yard throws, but the truth of the matter is last year, Tua was just throwing the ball to these guys in space, and it was off to the races for those guys, which is fine. It was beautiful. I, yeah, it was beautiful to watch. It's a fun offense to, to watch. It's just hard for me to say, yeah, Tua is going to be a top 10 quarterback because of what Jalen Waddle and Tyreek can do. He's going at 93rd overall, which puts him early ninth round. I mean, or middle of eighth, I guess. Uh, you think that's like, would you take the dart throw on him there? No, no. Um, if I if I haven't taken a top quarterback by that point, I'm going to hold off for one of the later guys we're talking about. Okay. I, I th- personally, I think that's great value for him, and I, I would be grabbing him there. But as we mentioned, you and I differ a little bit as far as where we have Tua ranked at. So I think we're probably going to be in agreement on this one, though, and that's Anthony Richardson. He is a rookie quarterback for the Colts. 
There's a lot of conversation. He's getting all the first team reps now, and, and preseason hype is in full blast. There's a lot of people who are very excited for him. His ADP is is pretty juicy right now, Yeti, I, I, uh, which is interesting to me. I mean, he's going at the 104, so right after Tua, he's going right around that 10th round, which is not horrible for a rookie quarterback, but I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid, my friend. I am not drinking the Kool-Aid. I have Anthony Richardson listed as a Tier 5 quarterback this upcoming season. So for everybody who's riding the high that is Anthony Richardson, I just want to bring this point up to you real quick. Statistically, we do not see rookie quarterbacks finish in the top 10. We don't. In fact, in the last 23 years, only six rookies have cracked a top 10 finish. Here's another one. Among 35 rookie quarterbacks who started at least 12 NFL games, 25 of them have averaged fewer than 14 points. I have Anthony Richardson in this list of 15 quarterbacks. I have him listed as quarterback 15 on the season. I love Anthony Richardson for what he could be. I really do. He is a he's a freak. He's an athletic giant. He's faster than Christian McCaffrey. He's got bigger hands than DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, we could sit here and point and choose varying statistics as to why you should buy him. But the bottom line is he is a rookie quarterback, and that scares me. So I just I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid and I'm not taking the risk on him when there's other people that are a much safer grab than trying to take a quarterback at his current ADP. So that's where I'm at with him. And I have him at 15 out of 15 on this quarterback list this upcoming season. Yeah. And to, to add on to your stats here, um, only four quarterbacks that have been drafted in the past five seasons have had top 20 finishes. And those four were Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, and Mac Jones. Um, it's crazy to me that Anthony Richardson is being dra- drafted inside the top 20 quarterbacks because we haven't even seen him take a, a yeah. snap on, on the field. Now, if he, if this was Jalen Hurts where we had seen him coming out of college and we've seen the arm strength, you know, Jalen Hurts was a much more polished quarterback than Anthony Richardson coming out of college. I understand that. I understand Jalen Hurts, you know, as a rookie, whatever. But for Anthony Richardson, he is going into a, I would say, a medium offense, like an average offense. It's not like this offense is anything spectacular. Yeah, but it's not, it's not now, terrible either. It's it's middle it, of the pack. It's not bad, it but it's, it's okay. And he's joining a new offensive coordinator he, who's had success with Jalen Hurts. I get that. But what can Anthony Richardson do as a passer? Because exactly. defenses are already game planning. Okay, we're going to take away anything within the box basically anything within the line of scrimmage we're going to key on key in on anthony richardson taking off like i don't know as quarterback 15 right now that's his current adp uh like what are we doing i think we're just kind of reaching for straws at this point like oh maybe he'll be justin fields and i I get that he has like a cam newton like ceiling but not this year. No, not this year. And I, I hope he proves us wrong. No, I, and I do. I think it's I think it's a shiny new toy. I think that's the syndrome that we find a lot of people in is, oh my gosh, he's an athletic freak. The rushing upside is insane. And they're not wrong. But the issue is, is can he throw the ball or is he just going to be a running back in the backfield? And that's where you, you're going to find yourself in some really sticky situations because you kind of need that dual threat-esque that Jalen Hurts is. Jalen Hurts can run all over you. Same thing with Patrick Mahomes, but guess what? They can also sling the ball down the field, and they they have that dual threat element that makes them so lethal. Richardson is does, is not a polished passer. He's still got a lot of work in that department, and I think that he's in the right place. You know, he's he has 
Jalen Hurts old offensive coordinator is his head coach. I think he is in a good home. And in fact, I think this is probably the best home for him because he's got the right coaching around him, I think, to help him learn the game and and take the steps in the right direction. But for him as a rookie, I'm just not doing it. I'm not doing it. There are much there are a, a slew of other quarterbacks I'm taking before I take that risk on Anthony Richardson, especially as my quarterback one. So I got him listed at 15 out of 15 on my list. Same. Okay. Same here, man. This next person, dirty old Kirko Chains, quarterback for the Vikings. Yeti, I want to show you something. I want to show you something because I got yelled at. We got yelled at as a as a fantasy football on our Twitter account. Got yelled at. So we got yelled at for posting this graphic on Twitter. And I think it's kind of comical. And I, I want to poke fun at all the brainiacs here for a second. You look at this picture, and it is really interesting, right? Because it, it shows... In this picture, Kirk Cousins is better in almost every single statistic than Josh Allen, right? And I want to bring this up because there's a lot of arguments that I saw, and I thought it was hilarious. And so I I didn't really say anything back on the Twitter account, but I was looking at it, and I was like, yeah, no shit. People are saying, you're accounting for Josh Allen since he's a rookie. Great point. You're accounting for the fact that he hasn't, you know, they're like, pull up Josh Allen's rushing stats. Wonderful point. First off, I didn't make the graphic. I want to state that. But more importantly, I wanted to let you know that if you are taking Kirk Cousins over Josh Allen as a quarterback, you very obviously are not paying attention to fantasy football. I think this is just a good graphic to kind of show, if anything, Kirk Cousins is not as bad as what a lot of people take him to be. That's And I just wanted to point that out. I'm a Kirk Cousins fan. I like Kirk Cousins. I'm not a Vikings fan. But I do like Kirk Cousins. And in fact, I have him finishing his quarterback 10 on the season. Kirk Cousins does not offer rushing upside, but he has been, he was really good last year in somewhat of a lackluster offense for a portion of the year. Dalvin Cook didn't look the same. Adam Thielen was older than dust. So it was really Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins until they got TJ Hawkinson. And then we saw Hawkinson get involved. They got rid of Adam Thielen. Jordan Addison's there now. Dalvin Cook's gone. I expect this offense to be pretty damn good. And I have Kirk Cousins finishing his quarterback 10. He's a, he's a great thrower. He's a great pocket passer. He makes a lot of great reads aside from when he threw it to TJ Hawkinson and it wasn't a first down and the game was over. I, yeah, we could argue that, but I think Kirk Cousins is overall a very serviceable quarterback. I don't think he's incredibly flashy, but I I am very excited for this offense with the addition of Jordan Addison. So give me Kirk Cousins at quarterback 10. Yeah, and I I very much like Kirk Cousins too. I mean, how can you not like the guy after the quarterback Netflix show? I think that documented how good of a guy Kirk Cousins is. Like, he just wants to play ball and then go hang out with his kids and he's go relax so cool. and do brain treatments he's, or his brain. Yeah. The brain treatments. I, the, the thing that really spoke volumes to me and I was just like, fuck you. If you don't like Kirk cousins, you are a piece of shit. He sits there yeah. and he reads his fan mail and responds to it because he's just like, yeah, like if you took the time to write me something, he's like, I'm just a normal dude. And and that's like, he's, that's what he is. He's, he doesn't think he's anything mm-hmm. spectacular. And I'm just like, God, what a cool guy. Like, I just want to be friends with Kirk Cousins because he seems like a very wholesome individual. And I know that has nothing to do with fantasy football, but I just wanted to throw that in there because I love Kirk Cousins. He's a he's a normal guy that is a face of a franchise, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. But um, I, for fantasy purposes, Kirk Cousins is one of those guys that, like you mentioned, he's just your traditional pocket passer. And the only upside that he has is um, his pass attempts. You know, Minnesota last year with the new offensive coordinator, they threw the ball the fourth most uh 
in the NFL last season, which is great. That's great for fantasy production, but there's no upside with his rushing there, obviously. Well, he did um, run, like, I think one touchdown, and it was against the Cardinals. Yeah, that, that was cute. <laughs> that was cute, right? Um, and I love Kirk Cousins. I don't mind him as, like, a low-end quarterback one, but I have him as a quarterback 13 this season. That's disrespectful. How I dare know. you? Like I said, I, I, I love him. Hate on Kirko Chains. Yeah. That's Maybe fine. it was all those rib shots he took last he year. Did take he just couldn't run the ball. I didn't realize that. Like, he was in pain a lot. And, like, I mean, kudos to him for going out there and playing, man. Because, like, you watch it on the quarterback show, and you're like, damn, he is in pain. But he just keeps playing. And I'm like, that just that guy's got some grit, baby. So I like Kirko Chains. But I got him a 10. I think that he will be a very – he's in that late – late end quarterback one stage but i i really i think this offense is going to be a lot of fun and you can't you can't fail when you got justin jefferson on the field so as long as you're making getting the ball in his general catch radius you're going to be making plays so quarterback for the jets mr lord voldemort thou who shall not be named aaron Rodgers. i don't know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers, but Yeti, I know you have a lot to say about Aaron Rodgers. I have him listed as a tier three quarterback. You are done and checked out and over with Aaron Rodgers. So why don't you let the Brainiacs know a little bit more about your thoughts there? Yeah. So for the sake of our discussion, I have Aaron Rodgers in the tier five category. So I have him. uh, I had Anthony Richardson as our last quarterback. So quarterback 15, I probably have Aaron Rodgers probably about 14, to be honest with you. Um, And I I get that he has the shiny new toy in New York and that he has a a better offense in New York. But I'm just not a believer. I don't know if I had PTSD from Russ last season. (laughs) I don't know if I just don't like Hackett and Aaron Rodgers together. But something about Aaron Rodgers to the Jets and all the hype that I'm seeing just doesn't feel right to me. Um, I, last year I came into the season saying that Aaron Rodgers is washed. And I think last season kind of proved that. Yeah, he did look a little washed. Obviously he's older. He does not offer the rushing upside anymore. He's not taking off and running the ball or scrambling as much as he used to. Um, last season he had a 13, uh, career low 13 scrambles, He had 12 interceptions, which was the most since 2008. His quarterback rating was the lowest that we've seen in his career, and his completion rate was down as well. Uh, His passing yards per attempt were the lowest since 2015 as well, and we can argue that is due to the weapons that he had. Well, (laughs) it's funny because every Green Bay wide receiver seemed to have went to New York. Oh, yeah, it's just like like in that SpongeBob episode when they're just like, We'll take the city and we'll push it over here. That's pretty much exactly exactly what happened with the Green Bay offense. Exactly. And I I see a lot of people mentioning that Garrett Wilson is a a extreme ups, you know, upside in that offense. And I get it. I like Garrett Wilson too. I think he's an elite wide receiver, but we need to take a step back and look at that offensive line. And there's a lot of different points, but I think the offensive line for the jets won't hold up. They will force a lot of defenses are going to force Aaron Rodgers out of the pocket to make him make decisions. And I think Aaron Rodgers is not making the best decisions as we saw last season. So I am fading Aaron Rodgers. Let me pitch this to you. And I'm curious as to your response on this. So Aaron Rodgers did not have a good year last year. We can all agree on that. Previous to that, he had he was a back to back MVP candidate. Right. Could you argue 
he was not good last season because he was done. He was checked out of Green Bay. He is was surrounded by a lot of rookies, a lot of youth. He's tired of Green Bay and all the bullshit and the bureaucracy that go that has gone on there with his tenure there. He wanted out, so he said, "You know what? I'm not really going to try that hard. I'm going to do the bare minimum." And furthermore, he wasn't spending extra time with his wide receivers, and that that was being reported last season. He's not spending as much time with them, perfecting the routes and making sure everybody's on the same page. He's showing up. He's doing what he's doing. He's not giving these wide receivers the same attention that uh, he has previously. Do you think some of that might play into why the, the Packers were not as good this last season and potentially why now he's obviously with the Jets? Like, is that is do you think there might be some some actual ground to stand on with that argument? I, I guess we can argue that to, you know, to make ourselves feel better about the whole situation. But, you know, the truth of the matter is the quarterbacks can make or break the season. Right. And the, the Packers, they still had a chance to win the NFC North. It's not like they are completely out of the race. And I'm, I mean, they almost snuck into the playoffs as a wild card, too. Um, I, I tend to think that he did what he could do with his abilities. And I think at this point in his career that he is losing speed he's losing his decision making and that arm isn't as strong as we've seen now he's already i mean we've seen him battling a calf injury to start training camp already not saying that that's going to linger into the regular season but he is getting older and he is going to have to move a lot more this season with the jets so i i just want to avoid him altogether um unfortunately for this conversation i couldn't but um i i I just don't Uh see a reason why he would have just threw the season away last year when they were competitive. Mm-hmm. I am finishing as quarterback 13 on this list. So we, we have him in a similar area. You have him at 14. I have him at 13. I'm a little nervous. There are some things that I would like to see from him and I, uh, I'm not willing to take the risk. I, it's more of a prove it to me. And there's just other quarterbacks that I think are going to get it done more than Aaron Rodgers. But I, I do think he does have a better season than last year. He's, he's, reunited with Nathaniel Hackett. So they have some chemistry there, of course, and that being his offensive coordinator with Green Bay is now at the Jets. And and he, he seems to be enjoying his time with the Jets a little bit more than he was at the end of his tenure with the Packers. So I, I expect him to be okay, and I expect the Jets to do pretty well, but they do have a tough schedule that we talked about previously. So I've got Aaron Rodgers at 13. Let's round this off with old Danny Dimes, old Danny oh. Jones. I have him listed as as a tier four. You have him listed at tier four. For me, it's pretty simple. Yeah, it's it's a pretty simple reason to put him at tier four. I'd probably put him at tier five, but I I think if I put him at tier five, that's a disrespect to Brian Dable. And I'm contemplating getting a tattoo of Brian Dable's face tattooed on my forearm <laughs> because I love Brian Dable so much. You can't help but love the guy. Giants last year were not terrible. In fact, they they made it pretty far into the playoff push with absolutely nothing. And that's just the truth. I mean, they it, it was Daniel Jones and it was Saquon Barkley. That's been the show for the Giants for a while now. Their wide receivers all struggled to stay healthy last year, and they didn't do nearly as much as I really thought they would to try and bolster that wide receiver room. They went and got Darren Waller, and I think that was a good move for them. 
because Darren Waller is a great tight end. My concern with Darren Waller, much like that wide receiver room, is can he stay healthy? Because he has had nagging injuries over the last couple of years, and he's not getting any younger. So all the hype right now in training camp is Darren Waller's killing it, and he's the wide receiver one, and he's getting hyper-targeted. And I'm not surprised by any of that, because you look at their wide receiver room, and you have Wandale Robinson. Um, they traded Kadarius Tony, so he's gone. And... They just don't have a lot of talent from the wide receiver pool. So the rushing upside is enticing for Daniel Jones, but I don't think from a throwing perspective, it's going to be nearly as sexy as a lot of people are anticipating. And that's why I have him at a tier four. And I've got him as, as quarterback 12 on the season. Yeah. So I have him tier four as well, but I have him as my quarterback 10. And he's one of those guys that I would be comfortable drafting at his current ADP. Um, in fact, he's getting drafted in the 11th round right now. And it, it's hard value. for, I think that it is extremely good value, especially when we're considering Daniel Jones. He ran the ball 121 times last season. That's the fourth most out of any quarterback, active quarterback. Mm-hmm. Set career highs for rushing touchdowns, rushing yards. And I understand a lot of people are expecting the rushing attempts to go down, the yards to go down. But I mean, by how much? Even if we're looking at like 90 carries and 600 yards, that is tremendous upside for Daniel Jones every week. And if I'm getting him in the 11th round, I love that. Um, And like I said, when I'm thinking about my top 10 quarterbacks or ranking them, I'm looking for that rushing upside. And Daniel Jones has that. Um, I, I... I've, obviously, they didn't do a whole lot to to shore up that offense with the, with his receiving options, but I think Darren Waller is a tremendous add to this offense. Obviously, I've seen him perform in uh, Oakland slash Vegas for for the past three four years, so I know what he can do, and I think he's a perfect weapon for Daniel Jones, who likes that low uh, average depth of target throws, and I think he's going to feast. In that Does offense. injury concern have any effect on you at all with Darren Waller? I mean, look at what Daniel Jones did last year with the skeleton crew. No, I'm just talking for Darren Waller. I was making a little pivot there. Oh, for Darren Waller? Yeah, Yeah, I I get it. I mean, yeah, injury concern is there, but I think the the risk, or obviously there's risk, but I think the reward could be sweet if he stays healthy. No, I think think at 11th round, I think that's tremendous value. Let me ask you this. Would you rather draft Joe Burrow or Daniel Jones at that later round? Daniel Jones. Okay. And I agree. So it sounds like we're still trying to, you know, at the very beginning of this entire conversation, we're trying to sit here and say maybe it is worth taking a quarterback a little bit earlier from a, a statistical point of view. And we're not saying that was concrete. We were just having a little sidebar conversation because we don't have enough statistics in front of us at the moment. But we're still we're still falling back on our old ways in, in some aspects where it's like, yeah, I want the value. And that's that's to sum this all up, that's what fantasy football is, is you're trying to find value in every single round. So don't sit there. I don't do this. I don't know if you do this, but I, I don't sit there and pick for, oh, he's got a bye week this week, so I need to draft this person. I'm not doing that. I'm looking for pure value at the ADP position. Now, obviously, if you have everybody and all their buys are week five, that could be a problem. But I, I just say this is I'm looking for value. And, and if you can get Daniel Jones and he does finish as a top in as quarterback 10, maybe in the 11th round, maybe that would be worth it over somebody like Joe Burrow, who is finishing as quarterback three, but you could get Jalen Waddle in the third round, you know? So just worth noting. I, and it, it is an interesting thought experiment and something that I, I, I want fantasy football players to be kind of cognizant of as they go into their drafts this upcoming season from the quarterback perspective. So. 
And for me, I think it really depends on the quarterbacks because I think there are four quarterbacks that I would feel comfortable drafting in like the first three to four rounds. Obviously, Hurts, Allen, Mahomes, and Lamar for me because I'm that high on Lamar. But then it's kind of like we started talking about Joe Burrow. Okay, Joe Burrow last season averaged 21 points per game. Daniel Jones, he averaged 18 points per game. So that that spread gets kind of different, right? Sure. Then we start talking about that three-point differential where it's like, okay, I can get Daniel Jones later. I'm going to get him. Joe Burrow, eh, he can go to somewhere else, you know. But with Mahomes, Hurts, 24, 25 points a game, I think that is a big difference from them to Daniel Jones. Agreed. Agreed. All right, before we get out of here, just want to let everybody know, if you have not, go check out leatherbrains.com. That is with a Z, of course. Scotty wrote a tremendous article about Jahan Dotson over there. It it is full of uh, statistical information. There's a great argument there as to why Jahan Dotson could end up being the breakout candidate as wide receiver one in that offense. Um, and and we put out a poll a couple weeks ago asking people in a dynasty startup format, who would you rather have, Scary Terry or Jahan Dotson? And it was almost exactly, we had like over 200 votes and it was almost a 50-50 split. And I was, I was kind of taken aback by that. Go read the article. I think it's tremendous, and it will it will provide you a little bit more insight than me just speaking here and sitting here. But go leatherbrains.com. Check it out. Great, well-written article by Scotty, and, and I would love everybody to read it. Um, that's it. That's all the time I got, Yeti. Is there anything else that you would like to say before we get the hell out of here? Let's get out of here, man. God dang, baby. All right, we are out. If you enjoyed this episode... Make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.